Welcome to Matters of the Mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Time is slipping away. Well, hello there and welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. That would be myself, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, Canada Psych Doc, and my co-host, and producer Todd Miller. How are you, Todd? Doing very well, thank you. So we are, some people would say, in the dog days of winter. That'd be about <laughs> right, eh? I prefer the dog days of summer. What is that, like August when it's just hot and the days seem to last forever? Yeah, and I'm guessing now with January, we're finally really getting our first true cold spell where it's been cold consistently for two days maybe or three days. And people are going, oh, my God, this winter sucks. And I'm here to say, no, this has been the best winter I can recall in terms of getting around, not having to shovel stuff, throw your back out, uh, all the good stuff. Yeah, no, last year I invested in one of those, um, what do they call it? They don't call it a snowblower, they call it a snow thrower. So it's basically an electric shovel for those that don't know what that is. It's got a very small little uh, thing that pitches the snow in various directions, but it's a whole lot better than me risking a heart attack out there shoveling the wet snow. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting, Todd, is I have found, um, and this is from a psychological perspective, generally speaking, a lot of folks will start to get the winter blahs or cabin fever right about now and into February. And part of that, too, and we'll talk about this in a couple weeks when we cover Valentine's Day. But with that said, a lot of people get stressed out with the winter driving, uh, bad driving, bad conditions and all that stuff. But we haven't really had those this year, so I'm noticing people in somewhat of a better mood. Yeah, I think it hasn't really been as bad as people expected. I mean, uh, there were some climatologists that said, oh, it's going to be a, a warmer than normal winter, which is which has been true. We really haven't had that minus 22. We had a couple of days of that. We haven't had much snow, a couple of days where we've had a little dumping of snow. But uh, by and large, I would think the people that hate winter are probably pretty happy. Well, I'm guess what, Todd? You're talking to one of these guys that hates. I, I don't hate winter. I just don't like it as much as spring and summer and I you're talking to a guy that used to be non-stop outside playing hockey I lived for outside and doing winter sports but I think uh, with all the injuries related to sports over the years it's just not a go-to fun you know plethora of activities I want to indulge in well I have two things to say about that weren't you in your convertible like three weeks ago I saw a picture of you in a convertible and it may have been December you know what? That's absolutely true. That was the first December I've ever have driven that car. And when I'm saying car, uh, it is actually one of the replica cars that they use for Miami Vice, the original 80s show. Because mm. I'll say I was a big Sonny Crockett fan and Miami Vice fan. And God bless and rest his soul, Glenn Fry, one of the greatest tunes ever to come out of that show, You Belong to the City. And... Um, not a it's bad actor. Not a bad actor not at all. Not a bad actor at all. And they were part of one of my favorite bands. Um, and it's really interesting because a friend of mine, Hannah, 
said, well, you know, you've driven it in December. I have never driven that vehicle in January or February. And she goes, uh, just about a week and a half ago, well, I'll bet you, Peter, you'll get to drive it in January. I'm sure you will. I think this weekend, I think it's getting a bit warmer. But the, the other thing I was going to say about that, we were talking about the sports, was I have a replica mask of uh, of a of a Leaf goalie from the 70s, and it's a street hockey mask. Okay, I'll give you that. But it has these huge cutouts for the eyes, and I stopped playing road hockey when I kept getting stones in the eyes because we were, you know, just playing on the street, and somebody would take a shot and be like, wow. So, uh, yeah, the, the game's changed a bit, and I think I gave up on it, but I have two young boys that are probably uh, pretty interested in, in maybe getting out there with some sticks and knocking the uh, frozen ball around. Yeah, do you remember those days playing street hockey, Todd? Remember, you know, it was uh, really, how should we say, done well in Wayne's world when Wayne and Garth rode on the street playing street hockey? Yeah, car! <laughs> car. So here's, here's my dare to you, Todd. I dare you to put that street hockey mask on and go to a convenience store and go buy something. I will uh, post that on our blog today because um, I actually put it on for Halloween, and I don't know if I was Jason or whoever had the hockey mask, but I had the Leafs jersey and the Leafs mask on, and so it was pretty scary if you were a Leafs fan because at that time they weren't doing very well. Actually, I don't think they're doing well now, but another conversation. Yeah, you know what? It would actually be cool for giggles to see some goalie in the NHL. Just to come out for the you know the pregame skate warm ups or whatever to come out wearing one of those Jason Verhees Friday the Thirteenth masks wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, th this looks like it. It looks like one of those masks that uh, you know one of the old guys like Eddie Jockerman or uh, you know the guys that didn't use masks and finally gave it up and, and started using a mask because they were tired of getting skates and pucks across the face. So uh, yeah, it's like one of those. It looks pretty ancient. Can you imagine, though, Todd, just thinking about that? You're the goalie now. At this day and age, when we know everything about injuries and concussions, and you've got one of those bloody Tonio Esposito masks or Ken Dryden masks or Gary Cheevers, and that puck is coming at 100 miles an hour at your face, what is it possibly going to do to protect you? I don't know, because the Gary Cheevers is the one that, um, I, I thought he was doing it up with the black marker, but apparently a lot of them were puck hits on the mask, and I think he did, you know, add a few, but generally, by and large, most of those black marks on his mask were because he got a puck to the head. And, uh, you know, once someone told me, you got to be a little crazy to be a goalie, and, you know, I sort of identify with goalies, so I have to be a little crazy to willfully put my myself in harm's way of either a frozen biscuit or even a frozen tennis ball in the winter when you're playing road hockey is not, is not uh, soft. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Speaking of crazy, they say sometimes and you've got to be crazy to be in media, especially as a reporter, a writer, and all that stuff. And, that, you know, that, that takes us to our – we got a great guest coming on uh, soon, Richard Hutton of Niagara this week. Richard is a good buddy of mine. I've gotten to know him as a professional and as a friend. And we're going to talk about today about the whole thing with media hype. Uh, can the media influence an audience? Can they influence a crowd? And you know, it's really interesting. I've been watching talk, and you know, for me personally, I have lost, you know, um, in, in terms of several of the most esteemed people that I held high in the entertainment industry Alan Rickman, definitely David Bowie, mm -hmm. definitely Glenn Fry, and you know, the list goes on in terms of even not as big names of those that we've lost in the entertainment industry. And God, it's only not even yet completely the third week of January. And what I've noticed is Facebook, Twitter, and all that has become its own form of media. It doesn't need the reporters. It's just like Todd, people have become the media. 
Oh, absolutely. And and that's something that we've been aware of for a long time is that any celebrity and not even a celebrity, Joe Public can go out on Twitter and put their opinion of a current event and it becomes, if it gets traction, it becomes quote unquote news uh, because somebody's commentating on something that is in the, the news or the public consciousness. And, um, you know, I seem to think that that traditional media had a filter for good or for bad. There was a filter. There was a group of people that looked at a story and they sat around in a room and said, should we talk about this? How do we talk about what is the voice we're using? What's our opinion of this? Do we take an opinion or do we merely report what's going on? And I think that critical step is missing these days. Traditional media is still there. Traditional newspapers and, and TV and radio are there. But anybody with a smartphone can be a media person and be a media darling. So it's a way of reaching the disenfranchised in one respect. You know, it, it, it just takes me back, me being a music junkie, um, to Arnold Lanny, Frozen Ghost. Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, um, Should I See? Yep. Th- that song. And it's almost like that's what it's all basically about. Like, you know, they determine back in the day, the media determined what was censored, what we see, what we hear, etc. And nowadays, anything is fair game, even the taboo stuff. So in your opinion, Todd, because you've been in this industry a whole lot longer than I have, especially in radio, do you think this has tainted the way media used to be? Like I said, for good or for bad, the media used to control what we would see and what we would hear, what we would read on a daily basis. And there were many of us that looked forward to that newspaper hitting our doorstep in the morning because we would want to find out what was going on. This was before the advent of 24-hour news TV, which you can get on any device these days. So you would you would be really longing to find out what was going on in the world. And, and the, the newspapers traditionally gave you the deeper story, the deeper dive into the, the stories of the day rather than just the quick hits that you would see on the news. Um But I think there's, for a large group of people, there's a a bit of suspicion about traditional media because they they look at the stories and how they're presented and say, is that the complete picture? Or is that just your interpretation, your being the particular media outlet, your interpretation of what's going on and what you feel comfortable telling me? Because media outlets can also be sued for defamation and and all sorts of wonderful things that um, can go on if they don't present exactly the whole story yeah I, I agree and it's people have just made a, an obsession <laughs> a, a days long venture of following Twitter and Facebook and I you know I'm going to be guilty and say me being probably one of the biggest X-Files fan on the face of this earth Todd I cannot wait to see updates and I'm constantly looking to say okay what you know what are they doing because I know it's coming this Sunday oh my gosh this is for me my Super Bowl and the same thing with Twin Peaks I'm following what David Lynch is doing so I'm as guilty but I'm looking at the entertainment component not the not following Donald Trump and now Sarah Palin well no and it's funny because um, there was an article I was reading uh, a few weeks ago about how the Marriott hotel hotel chains are considering themselves media now they uh, they basically said we're a media company now because they're controlling their message through their various social media channels to tell a story about them and sharing good content so they're not waiting to buy an ad 
in a newspaper or on TV, you know, they are reaching out and engaging their demographic directly. So they're bypassing the traditional media channels. And you know, it's really interesting. I think it was something like 90, was it in the early 90s or whatever, David really actually predicted this. He said, once the internet really explodes, nobody's going to know what the boundaries are and it is going to change everything and not always in a good way forever. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So with that said, when we come back, we're going to have the esteemed news reporter, Richard Hutton from Niagara this week. We shall be right back. Interested to get his opinion on some of our conversation that we've just gone through. You're listening to, of course, Matters of the Mind, right here on Listen Up Talk Radio Worldwide at talk-radio.ca. And don't forget, if you miss it, you can hear the podcast. The music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is hand-picked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays, 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. Well, hello there. This is Dr. Peter Andrusacco, host of Matters of the Mind. Just want to thank you all for making 2015 a tremendous season again for our show, and we look forward to seeing you next year. Hey, do you like to read? I've got some free books from you. That's right. Yours truly have some really cool books you might find interesting, especially if you like The Walking Dead or are a Vampire Diaries fan. Check out my website, petersacco.com, that's Peter, S-A-C-C-O.com, and right now you can download Why in the Hell Serial Killers, Crazy for Vampires and Zombies, and also you can check out my book and download, Technological Raid, yep folks, they are free, and also for those interested in making a difference in anti-bullying campaigns, you can download three free ebooks right now, also at petersacco.com, and you can go to bullyingisforthebirds.com. Thank you once again so much, folks. You are the best listeners in the world. We exist because of you. Have a great holiday season this year. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Heard worldwide on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us, Todd Miller and myself, Dr. Peter Andrew each and every week. And folks, please do keep the emails coming my way, Facebook messages, but if they're really bizarre Facebook messages, marriage proposals from other parts of the world, uh, I don't want those anymore. I'm good. Send them to Todd. Todd will- no, I, I'm, I'm good. I had my fill. Thank you. And uh, inheritances. I, my bank account is, is overflowing right now with inheritances. So thank you anyways. Yes, our compass are running us over with marriage proposals as well as money that we've come into. So, as we said, we have a tremendous guest today because we are talking about the media. Does it really influence the listener and viewer's mind? And can it sway it? And 
I'm really excited to have Richard Hutton. Richard has become a, a pretty good friend of mine over the last couple of years. He is a reporter and photographer for Niagara This Week. He covers the Niagara Falls area, everything from politics to community stories and anything in between. And he's also won a pair of Ontario Community Newspaper Awards for his work and is being recognized for his longtime commitment to the industry with the OCNA Silver Quill Award. Hello, Richard. Good morning, Peter. So before we go any further, we started this, I, I asked this last week, we had Tosca Arena on our show, uh, and Tosca Arena is one of Canada's biggest fitness gurus, and the question is, because a lot of people are now getting healthy and fit for the new year, are you familiar with the Nutribullet? Uh, yes, I am. So, would you be one that would be willing to do a tuna or spam bullet shake? Uh <laughs> That's a really funny question because uh, I'd probably go for the spam more than the tuna, as I hate tuna. <laughs> yeah, Tosca actually said she would do it. Now we have the new one, which is now would you do an oatmeal bullet shake? And I think more people are taking that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oatmeal would be fine. So, Richard, let me ask you, um, I guess a little the easy part um, to kind of wade into this is how long have you been a reporter and what would actually get you in your mind to want to go that route? Uh, well, I've I've always been you know curious about the news ever since I was a kid. Really, I mean, I was a bit of a nerd that way. I mean, you know, I always look forward to you know watching watching the news. Uh, you know, at that time, I guess Lloyd Robertson would have been on the on the national at the time on CBC, and I've just always been that way. I've been a bit of a junkie um, even through high school. Um, that's when I really really began to. Um, to to begin to be interested in this industry, and uh, I worked. I got a job. My first job in the business was as uh, copy boy, as they called it at the time, at the Hamilton Spectator. And so I learned a lot about what I do through osmosis, as opposed to going through school and learn from people I worked with and reporters I worked with at the time. And just the the whole aspect of getting out, meeting people, finding out about people, telling their stories. Uh, just those kinds of things have been what have what has attracted me to this business. This, you know, like many other businesses these days, uh, the whole media business and landscape has really dramatically changed in the last, I would say, ten years. But you know, we we sort of saw the signs coming, and and, and Dr. Sack and I actually had a wonderful discussion about this earlier, saying that. There's um, an immediacy now to anyone being able to, quote-unquote, report the news by virtue of having a smartphone with them. And even reporters are now using their smartphones due to budget cuts and other you know, wonderful things happening in the world of traditional media. But we also said there's a, there's a filter missing, for good or for bad, from traditional media. And, and the illusion or the illustration I gave was... The media would pick up on a story. They would get together with a group of people, whether it was an editorial board or an editor with a reporter, and say, how do, we, how do we pitch this? How do we talk about this? Do we talk about this? Is this something we're interested in? What's the voice? And I think that's missing. And There's just a stream of consciousness that comes from people now in, in, uh, that aren't real media people. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think part part of the thing is, of course, like, you know, with technology, the Internet and all that, I mean, there's more of an immediacy, and, and the news can get out there faster. And sometimes, and all media is guilty of this, even the mainstream, is getting the story out there before they necessarily have all the facts. Because there's a, there's a whole 
something to get it first is more important than getting it necessarily right because you can always correct things later. Um, you know, I've, even even in our business here as a community newspaper, I mean, we're having more of an emphasis on, on the digital as opposed to the printed product, getting the stories out, getting page views, all that sort of thing, because, I mean, that's obviously the way things are headed. Now, you mentioned about, like, you know, filters. I mean, you're absolutely correct. There are no filters. You know, it's just things get out there really quick and pick up steam whether they're right or wrong or not. And sometimes it's difficult as a journalist myself to go back and try to correct mistakes that get made because the impression's already out there. Even as a community newspaper, you're probably picking up on on uh, articles from the community that people are publishing on Facebook because I'm sure, I'm not sure, but I would assume that you guys are following Facebook feeds, Twitter feeds to see, you know, to keep your, your finger on the pulse of the community and the greater the greater community as well about what's happening in the community. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's that's exactly what we do. I mean, I mean, we, not only do we post our own stuff to our website, but we also post our stuff to our own. Uh, uh, Nagra this week has its own Facebook feed as well as myself. I mean, I'll post stories that I've written or other stories that I think people will be interested onto my Facebook feed. Plus, it works both ways. I mean, I've gotten contact through people through Facebook, you know, that have led me to stories. So, I mean, it's become a very valuable tool that way. Uh, the same thing with Twitter. I mean, just sometimes you'll see a tweet, and it might not be something that's necessarily to do with Niagara, but it might be an issue that, hey, like, you know, I see some of this going on here in the city. So it has, you know, led me in that way to, uh, to doing stories as well. So, my smartphone, I guess, has kind of become my best friend. <laughs> So, Richard, with Twitter, with Facebook, which with any other type of social media that's out there, there is just so much. Do you feel that you're in competition with them? And with that said, is what was taboo before, is it still taboo in terms of what you can report? Because somebody out there with their smartphone or whatever is going to go out there and do it. And I guess the worst part would be is if I was a reporter, to bloody well get scooped by some 16-year-old kid that's taken a picture and it's got whatever information and then blast that out there. Yeah, well, I know I know what you're saying. Um, I think it, 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 there, the audience is, is, is somewhat sophisticated out there in that, you know, like that 16-year-old kid pumping stuff out, you know, he might get a lot of interest from his friends and his Facebook friends and Twitter followers and stuff, but just because he puts it out there doesn't necessarily make it news. Um, now, the you know when it comes to bigger issues, you know I mean there is some frustration that when you know like you know Joe Blow on the street you know takes a picture of I don't know uh, let's just say um, an entanglement with the police you know and it gets out there um, it does have a tendency to make the quote unquote mainstream media such as ourselves look like we're behind you know behind in the times but. Um, there's more, like, I mean, it's easy to do that kind of thing when you're focusing on one sort of single issue. I mean, there's plenty of bloggers, there's plenty of, you know, what we call citizen journalists out there that, you know, their their interest is one thing and one thing only, whether it be following City Hall or whether it be following something like the police board or that sort of thing. You know, they can focus on that one area, whereas a traditional journalist such as myself, we have to, you know, as I said in my little bit of a bio there, kind of cover everything. So, I mean, one minute I might be doing a story about you know, some musician or actor making an appearance in town, and the next minute I'm covering budget talks at City Hall. You know, it, we can't be every place at once. So 
sometimes we can take, I guess, those little nuggets that get put out by, you know, that 16-year-old kid that blasts something out. It might lead us to a bigger issue, so, and we can do that better. Oh, absolutely, and I, the analogy I like to use is that these bloggers that hyper-focus on one particular, whether it's celebrities or whether it's uh, not necessarily crime, but they're almost like the old beat reporters. We used to have beat reporters, and so someone would be at City Hall, someone would be the crime specialist, someone would be the health specialist. I find that is disappearing as number of jobs are, are you know, reallocated, and people like yourself are expected to do several different things, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it gives you more variety than just being stuck waiting at City Hall for the mayor to do something silly so that you can talk about it. Yeah, it, well, it is a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, I, I do enjoy, really enjoy the variety. I mean, it, like, don't get me wrong, but sometimes it doesn't allow you, because you're kind of the jack-of-all-trades, it doesn't allow you to maybe follow that one thing. You might you might come across a story and you really want to follow up on it, because but because you've got so much else on your plate, you're not able to give it the justice that, you know, you think it might deserve. So, you know, that's why, like, here at the paper, we try to become as much a team as we possibly can. I mean, we put out, uh, like, seven different editions of the paper and, you know, covering all the municipalities in Niagara. So, I mean, there's 12 municipalities. So we kind of pool our talents. So, you know, like, I might run stories that, you know, emanate out of one of the other municipalities because it's a really good story, but one of the other reporters... um, so we have to help each other out that way. But this industry, as you said, is getting smaller, um, like the print side of it. I mean, we just had 90 people terminated at uh, Post Media yesterday. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's 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 not a good day for, uh, for, for the print side of things these days. No, but also, too, I'm thinking it must be somewhat disappointing when you break a story or you're the first person to introduce a story to to your audience and then have to step away because you're dragged off into something else that that needs your attention and like you said it deserves more focus it deserves a let's circle back the wagons and re-examine this from another way or there's been more information and you kind of have to hand it off to someone else well yeah it can be it can be kind of frustrating i mean there's been incidences uh with stories that i that i have actually you know like broken the story and then uh, literally have to step away from it for a few days. And, and the competition, meanwhile, which is a daily newspaper in town, has maybe done two or three stories following up on something that I've broken. So when I finally get around to being able to do my follow-up, it kind of becomes like I'm, it, it appears that I'm, you know, chasing the other people. And that can be, like, that, that can be a real source of frustration. Richard, I have a question for you, and it's actually from somebody that wanted me to ask you this. In fact, she follows your uh, your stories on Facebook, like through Facebook and that stuff. And her question was, Is do you find, or what is the reasoning, and this is more of a U.S. phenomenon, I'm guessing, why so much media, and we're talking major news outlets, continually push and force and shove celebrity-isms down our throat. Like, why do we need to know what the Kardashians are doing 24-7 or whom else? And, you know, and we can talk about this in follow-up, Donald Trump. Yeah. Why is, why is that? Oh, man. I mean, it's a <laughs> that is like, that question, I mean, when you talk about, like, you know, the Kardashians and Donald Trump and, you know, what's going on there, I mean, I, I get so... It's almost beyond words. It can sense my my irritation and anger, almost. Um, it's it's this celebrity obsession. I mean, it's 
it's, it's all famous. These people are, you know, famous for being famous. I mean, the Kardashians have done nothing, nothing that's worthwhile in contributing to culture or the the um, general state of, well, say the United States. And yet, people are obsessed with them. I mean, it's 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 all like it's it's so shallow. I mean, it's 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 almost a product of once again of this kind of online internet culture, where people aren't interested in things that are have any depth to them. They want that short little like you know 150 words nugget that says you know the country's going to the hell in a handbasket or Kim Kardashian you know is having another baby and you know woo let's all celebrate. Um, it, there's an attention span problem, and I think that's what fuels it. I mean, Donald Trump, he speaks in sound bites. You know, I mean, everything, you know, like he's, everything he says, you know, I'm going to make America great again. Well, how are you going to do that, Don? I mean, you, don't, you haven't said anything, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm going to build a wall to keep the Mexicans out and make Mexico pay for it. Uh, well, <laughs> how are you going to do that, Don? <laughs> you know, I mean, he says stuff in it. I think with him in particular, he's kind of an expression of dissatisfaction people feel. And, you know, because you know, his fans are always saying, you know, he's saying what he thinks. And, you know, he's, he's not saying necessarily what he thinks. He's, telling, he's saying things that people might be feeling. And I think that's what the attraction is with him. Um, they just, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to keep all the Muslims out. Well, okay, fine. Well, well, what are you going to How are you going to do that? You know, I'm going to make them say Merry Christmas in department stores. And it's like something that's not even in his... In his Jurisdiction, even if he was president, you know, I mean, it's it's all empty sloganeering. I mean, there's there's just nothing to it. You know what, Richard? What's really interesting? And I'm glad you, you you touch on that with Trump, because Howard Stern back in the day, and I I really do have the utmost respect for Howard Stern because he is a very smart guy, well educated. Yep. And he's purposely doing it for sensationalism. And I've always said, all Stern is basically doing back in the day is speaking what everybody else is thinking about. But the bottom line is, is Howard basically says, yeah, I'm just the mouth of America or for what Americans are thinking and speaking. Do you... Well, do the, you the big do thing you, about Howard Stern, though, is I really, really think he does not take himself seriously. You know, you know I mean, he's he, he does to an extent, obviously, to do his job and to do it well and gain listeners and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think, you know, if you talk to him, like, totally outside the radio and just, like, having a couple of beers, you know, he would be just like a normal guy like anybody else. Yeah, that's how, that's how I always viewed him. In fact, I've had the opportunity, well, it was actually a couple of years ago, to go on to his show as a guest, and I actually, <laughs> my, my publicist says, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you just don't want to go there at this point in your career, so I pleasantly declined. Um, because I have a very attractive co-author who's a sex therapist, so we could have seen how that would have went. Yeah. That said, that's exactly what I was going to say. If you look at it, Stern doesn't take himself seriously. But do you, do you believe that Trump really takes himself seriously? And people, people are buying into this. It's almost like a different type of, you know, mass hypnosis, the way Hitler used to speak to the masses. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you brought up the H word there. Like, I mean, it's it's propaganda. He's, you know, I mean, Joseph Goebbels was probably like, <laughs> going, wow, I wish I had this guy, <laughs> you know. I mean, because I mean, that's what he's doing. It's, 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 it's um, like the stuff he's just saying, like, it's just, it's, well, I, I, I said it before, like, empty sloganeering and, and, there's no substance to anything he's saying. I mean, it'd be it'd be really, really interesting when it comes down to if, if, and it's a big if, I still think, 
Donald Trump gets the nomination, and he's actually forced to articulate policy. Because, quite honestly, I don't think there's anything there. I don't think he's... Um, I think he's, I think he's being somewhat authentic, you know, in 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 what he's saying. I think, I think he is a blowhard. I'm, you know, <laughs> he wouldn't get to where he was if he didn't have the ability to push ahead and push through adversity and get to get what he wants. Um, whether or not that would make him a good politician remains to be seen, and I really think it won't make him a good politician. I mean, I could not imagine him on the world stage in any form of negotiation. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's a celebrity more than a businessman. He, you know, the empty sloganeering, the bull in a China shop, the, and I, I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but he's pandering to a certain demographic that likes the sloganeering, that likes the, the, the Twitter, um, you know, the short attention span. They want to know exactly in, you know, 20 words or less, what do you stand for now? He may not stand for that. That may be an idea that he's cobbled together or he's heard a few times at some of the, you know, events where he's, you know, shaking someone's hand. But I don't know. Like you said, when he gets there and he's forced, it may be a question of I'm going to promise the moon and then I'm going to give them Scarborough when I'm done. You know, I can I can say whatever I want and no one's going to hold me accountable once I'm in because then I can go. We didn't see the books. We didn't know how badly things were off. And I think that's a, a part of it. He's just going to promise whatever he can. And when he gets in there, if he does, whether he's the nominee or whether he's the president, it may be backtracking. And, and like you said, when he goes to write a piece of policy, it might be Fisher-Price kind of policy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I kind of liken him to, like, the kid running for student council. You know, oh, I'm going to have Coke coming out the fountains and stuff like that. You know, I mean, that's what he reminds me of. You know, except he's, you know, this is a man that's trying to become... You know, arguably the most powerful person in the world. He's going to have the nuclear football. Yeah, like I mean, do I want this guy in charge? You know, with his finger next to the button? I don't think so. You know, he's 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 someone's going to offend him, and then he's going to seriously say, "Bring me that briefcase," and they'll go, "Um, do you really want to do this, sir?" You know, all they said was your hair was standing up one day. They yeah. didn't they didn't say anything about you that was horrible. And, uh, you know, he may be pressing the launch codes. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I, I don't think this man, like, I don't think for a second, like, he's, like, an, you know, evil incarnate or anything like that. I just think he's, he's you know, he's got a huge ego. He thinks he can do whatever he wants because he's, you know, more or less succeeded in whatever he's, tr- you know, tried in his life. I mean, you know, his own father was saying, like, you know, don't invest in Manhattan. You're going to, like, you know drive yourself into bankruptcy, of course, like, you know, the opposite happened, although, you know, he has declared bankruptcy a couple times. Um, but we don't talk about that. You know, this is the guy that you want managing your economy, <laughs> you know. So I I just, I, I personally, myself, don't understand the fascination with him. Um, it's, it's, he's not offering anything of substance. All I can think of is, you know, he's telling, as you said, that certain demographic what they want to hear. You know, and, and he's riding riding that. I mean, oh, come on, now he's going to go all the way, right? He's got Sarah Palin's endorsement, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> she she might be the uh, next, uh, I was going to say defense minister, but I don't know what the equivalent is down there in the States, but they could be, uh, she could be, you know, in charge of firearms. Who knows? It was, yeah, you know, we should probably put her kid in charge of that, you know, like track or something, <laughs> you know, I mean. 
Anyhow, <laughs> we, we need to take a break. We need to pay some bills and, and clear our heads here from the, the Trump discussion. I'm sure he'll come back up in the second half. We're, we're, we're with Richard Hutton, who is from Niagara this week. More matters of the mind right around the corner. Stay tuned. Buying or selling a home, condo or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com Toronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the night region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid, be very afraid. To Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Heard worldwide on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every weekend. What matters to us most this week is Richard Hutton. He's an award-winning reporter from Niagara this week. So, Richard, we've been talking about the media's ability to influence and, you know, Donald Trump. Very smart guy in the ability to speak in sound bites and influence an audience. So, let me go the other side of this. As a reporter... Do you ever find it, or have you ever found it difficult to go and report on a story, investigate a a story, whatever it could be, and try to be as objective as possible, but even though you already have an opinion against it or about it? Oh, that's that's a really really interesting question because I mean we run you run across it more often than you think, but I try to. and I think I do a pretty good job. I try to approach everything I can with an open mind. I mean, there might be topics I'm writing about that 
I couldn't care less about or that I might fundamentally be opposed to. But the point is, is my job, I feel, is to try to present the facts in a way that a reader can make up their own mind about something, whether, whether or not they agree or disagree. And so far, I, you know, I haven't gotten complaints from people um, about the coverage I've given things. I mean, the one article, the one, the one uh, issue in, out this way that really comes up to mind is um, Marineland. Mm. The the uh, treatment of animals. I mean, the Toronto Star did like their big series, and of course, we're actually owned by Torstar uh, through Metroland Media, and. So I've tried to present, whenever I've done stories, both things, you know, like whether Marineland's put out some sort of release criticizing this or, you know, activists are saying something, I always try to present both sides. I mean, whenever I do a story, I always seek comment from Marineland. I won't run the story without them. You know, I, it just, even if their comment is no comment, I mean, you know. At least you give them the opportunity. Yeah, give them the opportunity to speak to the issue. I'm not look out, I'm not out to, you know, Although, like, technically, I guess, you know, I'm obviously, like, most most human beings want to see animals treated well, you know. And uh, so I think in those instances that I'm able to um, project an, even, an even-handed an account. So let me ask you then if, let's look at the reverse. Let's say you have a very strong opinion on something and you're able to... Um, publish that let's say that your your paper has come out with uh uh an endorsement of, of a particular candidate or they're against a certain policy that's being enacted down at city hall um how do you defend that i mean do you defend it publicly do you defend it privately what, what's the expectation there when the, the paper or you have come out and said very strongly this is what we think on this issue um, well, I mean, uh, you know, we, we do have space in our newspapers for, like, opinion columns. Uh, like, I mean, most recently, uh, I just I did an interview with the mayor of Niagara Falls and, you know, kind of a look ahead to 2016. And I ran as a companion piece my analysis and what I would like to see. You know, and it didn't always drive. I mean, I, you know, there's warts in this city. I have no problem saying that. I mean, because I back it up. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's I don't. I don't. I'm not Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't. I don't just say something and then not back it up. I mean, that's how. That's how you defend it. You defend with facts. Right. So, Richard, let me ask you this question: um, Do you think? I, I think. Then going back to where we started the show with you, do you think that the overall the public? And when I'm saying the public, I'm talking about generally the millennials because they're the ones that put the most faith, credence, and they're dependent upon online social media. Do you think that basically too many people have skewed opinions based on what they're being force-fed and not knowing the truth and unfortunately forming, you know, irrational prejudice against things? I think I think what happens, yeah, I think I think I think you are on to something there. The I mean, what happens is I mean, you if you look on you you go on any Facebook feed, you know, and you get your suggested posts and stuff like that, and I mean, I mean, I've got guys sharing stuff that you know are you know people that I'm friends with sharing stuff that are completely diametrically opposed politically to the way I am, 
you know, and 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 sometimes sometimes I'll read those stories just simply for you know the entertainment value because they're usually <laughs> they're usually the way they're written are you know very inflammatory. But I mean, I know there's people out there that you know get their information from that sort of thing, and to me that's that is scary, only because when it's not balanced and it's just skewed to an ideal excuse me an ideological view, it it doesn't present. I mean, it, it, the world isn't black and white. I mean, it's what it boils down to. You know, there's like, you know... Apparently there's 50 shades of gray, but... I was, <laughs> I'm glad you said it and not me. I was having trouble getting that one out. Uh, but, so, like, what happens... I mean, it's just... It, it comes from both the right and from the left. I mean, you know, somewhere in the middle is reality. And the... It, it, it's scary to think that there are people, and there are, that, you know, are forming their opinions or their worldview based on snippets of information that are presented either without fact or distorted facts or um, innuendo. You know, I mean, the whole, I mean, you see it, you see it everywhere. I mean, you know, with the conspiracy theories and the the whole birther movement and the nine eleven truther movement. You know, like there's people that are you know piecing together little bits, tidbits. You know, like they're adding up two and two and coming up with twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 tough. You know, as being in the quote unquote mainstream media, you know, where we try to present facts and balance. You know, if we're not skewed like somebody who subscribes, say, to right wing news or whatever, I mean, we're the wall from the liberal left wing media. Well, as we sort of touched on it. The, the news is more immediate. There's an immediacy to someone that is that is able to report something or someone sets up a YouTube channel and starts publishing all of these videos about, oh, did you know this happened in 9-11 and they're not telling you this and they're not telling you that. Has anyone ever come up to you or have you heard a story of, of someone coming up to a reporter and saying, why aren't you telling us these facts? Why do I have to go to YouTube to find them? Why do I have to find some uh, guy that's hiding in Sweden and look at his uh, Twitter account to find out the truth? Well, uh, luckily, probably in the line, because of the line and the kind of, of journalism I'm in and the kind of newspaper I'm at, we don't get a lot of that, although we do, you know, we'll get the odd letter to the editor and stuff like that, that where people, you know, saying like, you know, some crazy things. Yeah. But, you know, we're able to kind of weed that out. I mean, you know, we fact check and we do whatever we can to, to validate claims. You know, so, I mean, if you want to believe in a bias, I mean, my answer personally would be if you want to believe something that's completely biased, then we'll keep watching YouTube videos then because <laughs> you're not going to find that here. You know, like it's, 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 it's people so often confuse the, the truth with cover-ups, <laughs> you know, like the truth, you know, the truth is out there, as they would say on the X-Files, right? Like, you know, you know, and it's like, well, the truth might be right in front of you, and you, you're overlooking it in this quest for, like, trying to find something that fits, you know, your outlook on life. For as long as you've been a reporter, Richard, I guess this is going to be a very subjective um, opinion on your part. What is the most bizarre story that you've ever investigated and covered? Oh, most bizarre story. I mean, there's, 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 there's been a few. I mean, maybe not bizarre on the scale of, like, you know, what were these people thinking? But, you know, it's it's more like I... I probably the most... 
I don't know if it falls under bizarre, but I was working for, I was covering Fort Erie at the time. And a counselor out there was, or, yeah, counselor, was getting all wound up because she wasn't invited to something by the economic development officer out there. I mean, it became like a big issue. Like, you know, it was an invitation to the opening day at Fort Erie Racetrack. I mean, it was just because, I mean, it was such a nonsensical story. But, I mean, but at the same time, it's one I enjoyed writing because it was like, you know, just one of those (laughs) kind of fun stories, you know. So, I mean, it's maybe not necessarily bizarre in the sense that you're, you're you're thinking but i mean it's just one of those one of those weird things that kind of took on a life of its own so does that speak to and i've always wanted to ask a, a true reporter this do you feel have you covered like city you've covered city hall you've covered mayors and councillors and things like yep. that before do you feel that there's that that people change once they get elected is there some sort of sense of entitlement i, I live pretty close to brampton i'm not in brampton but i'm watching the whole hubbub there about you know getting rid of mayors and spending scandals and i that's small town canada i mean anywhere you go yeah do you think that th- that people change when they get elected I don't know if it's. I think the change happens before they're elected. I think. I think, you know, a lot of people, and I'm not even saying this necessarily a malicious thing. A lot of people they will present a face because they want to appeal to a broad selection of people, particularly when you get to municipal politics. I think the change actually takes place there. The person might, you know, be say somebody who's fiscally conservative and uh, socially liberal but might present themselves on the campaign trail as being more of one or the other. You know, so I think the change actually takes place in the election process before, you know, before they get in. And then they might revert back to what they were. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of almost like a double change. <laughs> so, Richard, in terms of media, do you see it now eventually, if not all going basically digital and online, and the, you know, magazine newsprint going vis-a-vis by way of the dodo bird? Well, I, I, I think I think eventually you'll see that. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen in the next five years or not, but, I mean, as I said, even here, I mean, although we come out once a week, our newspaper, we function almost as a daily newspaper because of online. You know, our, our process is to, as soon as the story's done, if I go and cover something today, come back, write the story, we post it online. So, I mean, the story's already out there and, you know, in, in cyberspace long before it ever hits the paper. So the paper's kind of become almost like a, a secondary process, uh, sorry, secondary uh, product, whereas we collect what we've done over the last week, presented in a, in a uh, printed fashion. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You can definitely, you know. Unfortunately, I'm one of these ones that absolutely loves paper. So we, well, here, to, that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons. I mean, there's nothing to me. There's nothing like waking up in the morning, and having a coffee, and unfold the newspaper and reading while you're having a coffee. Well, as we talked about too, Doctor Sacco, it's like it gives you the story in depth. You can follow the chain of threads and, and different comments, and and it isn't presented to you in a soundbite or a, a scrawl along the bottom of your TV. Well, exactly. I mean, there's always there's always, I guess you know, the chance for some even unintended bias because, you know, in the process of writing a story, you, you know, I'll choose what to quote the person on and stuff like that. I mean, I might do a, an hour long interview with somebody, but, you know, what actually makes it into the story might be based on, you know, only a section of that, 
you know, that conversation. But, I mean, it'll always be what I, you know, what is most pertinent, I think, to readers. Excellent, excellent. Well, Richard Hutton with Niagara this week. He has been our guest. Richard, we are out of time. Thank you so very, very much, my friend. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Todd, for having me. You're very welcome. Stay tuned. More Matters of the Mind just around the corner. And again, if you've you've heard this and you want to hear it again, it is on podcast. Just go to talk-radio.ca. to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. And joining us now is Ellen Campbell, who is the CEO, founder, and in charge of the Center for Abuse Awareness, abusehurts.ca Canada. How are you, Ellen? I'm great. Sorry, I couldn't make it last week with my laryngitis. (laughs) So, uh, Todd and I were talking. How did you guys make it with the 13 Days of Christmas? How did that all roll out? We did really well, and um, you know, it. it uh, we did better than last year, and I uh, was just. I just got our totals actually here for the year, uh, Peter. I'm just looking here, and over Christmas we did about uh, over thirty thousand items. We did about almost a thousand families, and then individuals of nine thousand, and then about two thousand children. If you put it all together, what we've done through the year and then with Christmas, we're over about 200,000 people that um, are affected throughout the year um, with the wonderful you know, donations that we can make thanks to sponsors and individuals that donate to us. Wow, that's awesome. That is incredible. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of surprised too. I, was just, I just got the figures now. So obviously this is something that you hope continues on for many, many, many years because it it really, as we sort of talked and, and touched on throughout the year, the CCAA kind of disappears off a lot of people's radar during um, certain periods of the year. And it would be nice to continually have that, but also get your name in there and the awareness up throughout the regular part of the year. Because as, as you said, the demand never goes down. No, it, it goes up every year, Todd, and... Um you know, we, we've just, op- we're opening up our uh, furniture dis- liquidation center at the end of the month, January 30th is our first day. And I think what's going to happen is, okay, usually people that use us, obviously, but I'm hoping that this is going to really let the public know that we're there and what we're doing. If you want to come, uh, January 30th, um, we've got some beautiful furniture and we will be doing clothing as well, men's and women's. And uh, it will be liquidation, so it'll be some really good buys. In terms of education, Ellen, do you guys have anything up and coming in terms of any community events, symposiums, um, you know, for uh, educational forums that are coming? Uh, no, I, I'll tell you what we did just book, Peter, is um, in October, we're doing another three-day men's conference, and I actually would love you to come and speak. Uh, and one day is professional for professionals dealing with men and trauma, and then the other two days are open to the public. So uh, that we just booked. I can give you more information. I think the dates are October 20th to the 23rd, but I can I can send you the firm information. But 
uh, an interesting because we're working with the Men's Center, which is a you know an organization that's relatively new in Toronto, and it's a great organization because they they don't just it's not just men that have been abused, but it's men that are going through divorce or parental alienation problems, any mm-hmm. problems to deal with, and we're partnering with them um, and the Gatehouse on this. Oh, I'd absolutely be honored to come and speak there, and yeah, you'd be amazing. And it's just—it's—it's it's something that does not get a lot of recognition, because there is still so much stigma, and embarrassment, and shame attached to it. And I speak to any guy out there listening, or any loved one that knows a an individual, a male or a female for that matter, who's been sexually assaulted, physically abused, or whatever. That definitely don't be ashamed to come out and seek help or speak about it. Absolutely. We've got a couple minutes before we need to end, but I I wanted to just touch on something that you said, parental alienation. That is becoming such a big issue. And as someone who's experienced it, who was on the receiving end of that and who fought very hard to remedy that, that is is a, a touchstone for a lot of guys that are are bankrupted and have their kids taken away for, for really the wrong reasons. And it's nice to see that you're involved in that and helping those guys that are really trying to restart their lives in many ways. It's a huge problem. All, all a woman has to say is, and it happens both ways, as we know, but we're talking specifically men now, is, uh, you know, that the father touched the child inappropriately, and that's it. And now he's, he's guilty and... Um, and yeah, they use it, and they, he still has to pay support, but doesn't get to see his children. It's horrible. Uh, apparently, in Montreal or Quebec, a couple years ago, they said about a third of all the cases that come before the courts are just that yeah. false accusations. And uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunately you're right, Todd. It's it's, it's way too way too often. And, and it doesn't even need to be anything uh, you know ominous. It can be a simply a denial of access, and and yes, it definitely. can hurt a, a guy and. And we all know what the impact that it does to the children who are no longer seeing their father as well. There, there are well-documented studies about having co-parenting being the best scenario for children. Absolutely. And if the child's young enough, that's whatever the mother tells the child or father tells. It goes both ways, but it tends to be more happen to men. Yeah. That becomes the child's reality, and it's really hard when the child's older to not know that that's really what the father was or did. Yeah. Ellen Campbell from the Canadian Centre for Abuse Awareness, abusehurts.ca. Thank you again for joining us this week, and we look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thank you. Thanks for such an amazing show, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank More you Matters all. of the Mind coming up right after this. That's a wrap for Matters of the Mind. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. We look forward to having you join us next week when we have the great Hal Johnson from Body Break. Yes, we've had uh, had the opportunity to speak with Hal before. Wonderful guy, great information, and looking forward to an update as to what those guys are up to and just checking in about our health. 
So stay tuned. We'll uh, catch you right back here next Wednesday at 8 p.m. on talk-radio.ca. We are, of course, Matters of the Mind. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Get in touch with him on his website, petersacco.com, or find his contact page on Listen Up at talk-radio.ca. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at listenuptalk. Thanks for listening and sharing our posts. We'll catch you next week. And all that counts is here and now My youth